Okay, here we go. Okay. All right, Erev everyone. Uh, let's have a look at an idea that um, emerges from the story of Noah, specifically looking to focus on the relationship between Noah and, uh, and the raven. Uh, we, we all know the story quite well. Uh, Noah and those who survive with him on the Teva um, come to the end of the time in the, in the flood and the Teva. And, the teva, and uh, Hashem basically tells, well, Noah uh, wants to know when he can sort of leave the Teva and he has to try and work out exactly, um, you know, when the waters are going to recede so he can eventually get out. And so he, he, he isn't really speaking to Akash Baruch directly at this point. Um, but uh, what's happening here is, is that Noach's really got to make his own calculation as to what happens. So at the end of 40 days, after the flood lasted for the 40 days, it destroys everything. Uh, a new world is almost like uh, built as a result of this. Um, so Noach now opens the, the window and sends forth the orev, you know, the, 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 the raven. And um, he, uh, the, the raven basically just flies um, all over the place. He just, you know, it goes, circles the, the Teva. He, you know, he's just, he's just all over the place, refuses to leave the Teva. And, um, you know, he, he doesn't really do his job. Now, it's interesting that uh, the nature of this, uh, of this raven is given a certain amount of coverage in in Chazal, and that is that the the raven, especially when it's compared to the the dove, the raven is seen as a dark character. It, its skin color reflects that. Um, the way we look at the raven is a very in a very negative way, um, and uh, Chazal make a comment about the nature of the of the of the raven um, as to what it really what it really represented. Um, and it's 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 generally always negative. The the raven really gets a bad a bad rap. And um, the Gemara makes a comment with regard to the nature of uh, you know of this raven and why it fares so badly in uh, in in Chazal. And um, the Gemara tells us as follows that um, this raven essentially argues with Noah about the fact that he was chosen to go on this mission to try and see if there's, if there's, you know, if there's, if there's somehow we're going to get out of this Teva. And so the, the Gemara describes a dialogue where the Gemara says that, um, Reish Lakish tells us that the, the, the raven responds to Noah's instruction to leave the Teva and go and search for um, dry land. In fact, uh, it's interesting that there, his Kuni writes that he was he was searching for, um, you know, Noah thought if there were if the, the flood waters had receded, the raven being a bird of prey would be able to find corpses, and um, and then if it would come back with some with meat in its in its beak, he would know that uh, the you know the waters have receded so to speak. Um, it also could have been a way of Noah trying to work out. You know, ah, foods around the corner, and I don't have to ration all of the food that we still have on board. Um, you know, in smaller and smaller portions given to the animals. 
So there was a certain, according to this way of thinking, there's a reason why uh, Noah sent out, sent out the raven. But the raven's uh, response to Noah sending him out is that, you know, the raven says to Noah, um, he says, Noah, your master, i.e. God, hates me and you hate me. You know, God hates me because uh, he instructed you to bring um, seven males and seven females of each of the kosher species to perpetuate those species. And of the non-kosher species, of which I am one, there's only me and my mate. Um, and therefore, Hashem really is giving us a bad rap here. There's only two of us to continue these, the, you know, the non-kosher species. And as far as you are concerned, you, uh, you know, you hate me because you're sending me out now, you know, and uh, you're sending out one of a set of two. And if something happens to me, then our entire species is doomed. So you don't like me either because you should rather find some one of the one of the birds or you know one of the birds which are kosher birds which there are seven male and seven female and send one of them out and then there's no problem you you know why are you choosing why are you choosing me uh, so this is how this particular dialogue is brought in the midrash and in the gemara with regard to the raven and the raven by it's like the the, the raven's flapping all over the place as if uh, it's really not happy to go and on its on its particular on its particular mission and that's why it doesn't go anywhere and it starts arguing with Noah and um you know this is this is the kind of uh, idea that is is communicated to us about the, about about the nature of of the of the raven now it's in, interesting uh interestingly enough the gemara continues the gemara has some other agaritas where the Gemara there says that um, the raven in its in its panic and its in its anger says to Noah, yeah, you want to steal my mate and be intimate with my mate. That's why you're sending me off, you know. Um, and uh, Noah responds to the raven, you know, listen, you idiotic uh, being, you know, Hashem has already forbade intimacy on the ark with with my wife, between anyone and their wives and their mates. In other words, Hashem has already prohibited intimacy with those who are permitted normally to each other. But you are—you accuse me of wanting to, of having eyes on your mate. I can't even be with the person who's permitted to me in normal times. How much more so am I not interested in being with somebody who's never permitted to me in the first place? And that's, uh, you know, that's your, that's your kind of mate, right? So um, you, you see this interesting, this relationship between this Orave and, and Noach, it needs to be understood exactly why they're clashing on this kind of, on this kind of level. Um, and this gives the Gemara an opportunity to teach us that this whole issue about the raven accusing Noach of looking to be intimate with its mate, uh, it sort of sh a spot, shines a spotlight on one of the uh, the issues that Noah had with the raven, and in fact, the Gemara says that there were three, there were three beings that violated the the law of Hashem that ruled on the Teva uh, on the Ark, and that was that there was no intimacy allowed on the Teva by anybody. Um, Rabbi Yochanan teaches us in in in, uh, 
in the Gemara we have about this particular story uh, that um, from the way the Pasuk describes that, you know, Hashem says to Noah, you've got to enter the ark, you know, with your sons and your wife and the wives of your sons with you. Uh, and then when Noah leaves the Teva, it tells you, you know, sort of repeats the same idea, leave the Teva, you, your wife, your sons, your sons' wives with you. And so Rabbi Yochanan makes the, 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 the derives from the way it says it that, um, that Akosh Baruch Hu basically said that uh, no one's allowed to be intimate on the on the Teva. So um, this particular Gezeira decree where no one's allowed to uh, enjoy life's pleasures while the world around them is being destroyed, this is uh, this is probably what's underlying the this Gezeira that Hashem gave. So the Gemara comes along and tells us that there were three beings or three couples that violated us and they were intimate um and 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 each each one in turn was punished for being intimate on the taver so the first was the the um the dog apparently the dogs uh, mated on the on the ark um followed by the raven and then ham the son of the son of noah so each one of them has their own kind of now punishment the the, the dog is sort of you know always tied on a leash so to speak uh the raven, its its whole way of feeding, of feeding um, food to its mate. Um, the raven's got to uh, expectorate, expectorate into its mate's mouth, and uh, and Ham says the Gemara was uh, was was smitten with his dark coloured skin, with being black. Uh, this is the famous Gemara that talks about it like this, and this is uh, Gemara in Sanhedrin Tavkuf Chet Amud Bet. And this is the this this is the idea now. We've got to put them to, together and try and see what uh, what happens here exactly. Now, Noah is very upset with these three couples because they violated this decree of Akosh Baruch Hu. Um, and, uh, and and the question is, you know, who motivated all of this? So some say that that uh, only after seeing the raven uh, being intimate with its own mate. Did Ham all of a sudden Ham happened to see this, and then Ham basically um, was uh, was 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 basically jealous and on heat as a result of seeing what the what the Raven did, and so as a result of watching what the Raven did, that motivated Ham to uh, seek out his wife and be intimate with her against the the decree of Akosh Baruch Hu. So it's almost as if from this Agadita that the raven is the start of all this problem. Um, and, that, and that now causes Ham to be drawn into this area of uh, rebellion against Akosh Baruch Hu. And as a result, Noach looks at, at, the, at the raven, um, you know, as with a very biased, negative bias because of what the raven's immoral behavior did. And that the raven now becomes the symbol of of, of, of darkness and the symbol of rebellion um, and uh, the symbol of, of I guess, uh, uh, a type of cruelty where you ignore and you're unsensitive to what's going on around you. You just, you know, you, know, you, you have self-interest at heart. So, um, so this is really what, what, what's possibly uh, affecting Noah's relationship with the raven, what he sees in the raven, what the raven did in the, in, in the, teva, in the teva as well. Now, it's interesting that 
this this argument that Noah has with uh, that the raven has with Noah, why'd you send me out? The Gemara doesn't answer up, um, doesn't give us Noah's answer to the raven. You know, when when the raven was uh, accusing Noah of wanting of having eyes for its own mate, there, you know, the Gemara puts words into Noah's response. Yeah, when when the when the raven says, "Why do you send me? You don't need to send me. It's it's, not, it's unfair." Yeah, it's almost as if that, but without giving Noah a response, it's almost as if the raven's argument is accepted, as if there's something right that, that within the raven's, uh, you know, coming back at coming back at Noah. And uh, this may be supported by a midrash, where the midrash tells us as follows that Hashem says to Noah, "Take the raven back into the teva. Take the raven back into the teva." Um, and Noah almost as if says, you know, well, why do I need to take him back? He's violated everything. He's, you know, so Akosh Baruch Hu says to Noah, you know, one day there's going to be some use for this raven. Um, there'll be a, a tzaddik who, who, uh, who, who decrees, who decrees uh, a famine on the world, on the world, and the fa the famine implies no food and no water, and and this person who will be Eliyahu and Avi many, many generations hence makes this decree against Ahav, uh, the evil king. He puts all of Kalisrael into a drought. So it's as if uh, the Eliyahu comes along and, and dries up the world. And now he himself is going to need somebody to give him food. And Akosh uh, Baruch says at that point in time, the ravens will come along and help keep Eliyahu and Avi alive by, by bringing him, uh, you know, bread and 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 meat. So this is the, you know, the midrash that sort of uh, allows Akosh Baruch Hu to uh, allows Akosh Baruch Hu's will and instruction to, with regard to the raven to have some sort of positivity in in, in Jewish history. You're gonna have to wait a long, long time until the the purpose for the raven being. You know, is actually is actually realized. Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, you know, what's happening over here? Was the raven right? Was the raven wrong? Did Noach uh, make a mistake? You know, where what do we what do you see going on over here? So, one of the approaches, which um, you know, you know a little bit about, is that general knowledge is general general knowledge of the Mephoshim's approach to Noach is to criticize Noah, especially in comparison to Avram Avinu, because Noah somehow, even given 120 years worth uh, all the time in the world, so to speak, isn't able to bring one person closer to Yiddishkeit or to ethical monotheism. There's, uh, you know, Noah doesn't have any time with him. He's got no, he's got no uh, wins on the board of, of, of outreach successes. Compared to Avram Avinu, it turns out together turned out together with Sarah, tens of thousands of of uh, Mukuravim, of people who were brought closer to monotheism. And what happened to Noach? It was almost as if Noach gave up on um, on the generation that he was that he lived in. And um, Hashem couldn't really criticize him for anything else, meaning that he was a tzaddik. But at the same time, one of the things that he didn't do was he never went out of his way to try and convince people that what they're doing was wrong. Uh, he sort of he he definitely had one foot in the game where he said to everybody, "Hashem's angry with you. Hashem's going to bring a flood. 
but he didn't he didn't try and motivate people you know people thought he was either crazy uh, and and they and they they just had no way of of relating to Noah and um and what what Mufarshim read into Noah's attitude is that Noah chooses to see the world um in a very uh there we say it's simplistic manner there's there's black and white there's good and evil and as a result of that if you not good then you're evil and this approach to noah or the noah's approach to the world is uh, is given criticism and quite possibly that this is really what noah had to learn that the way that hashem created the world especially after the son of adam and chava in ganadan um and even now that the world was destroyed by the flood and rebuilt again was that somehow there was the the idea of the potential for evil is part and parcel of the way that Hashem created the world. And it's complex. It's complex to the point that, yes, it might be easy in certain cases to identify uh, people who are totally evil and people who are totally good. And when you make judgments, judgment calls about people, you know, you can, you can put certain people in those categories. But the majority of the world is going to be complex. It's going to be uh, a somewhat of a, of a hybrid of good and bad. So you'll have people who are not always good, but they won't always be bad. And in order to in order to leave a legacy which allows this mixture of good and evil to exist in the world, um, as Hashem has decreed it, one is going to be much more successful when one develops an approach to life which 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 doesn't write off people completely, even if there are components of their behavior which are bad. And so this may be what is happening here in the Teva. And this possibly is what there is to learn from Noach's engagement here with the raven in the eyes of Chazal. And that is that, yeah, there's no question that the raven um, represents evil on the Teva. It's the evil that survived the flood, and it's the representation of the Satan, you know, even inside the Teva, while they're being saved by Kosh Baruch Hu. Uh, it's almost like a harbinger of what's going to happen, that the Satan and evil, the potential thereof is going to be there. And there's going to be the struggle of, of mankind to always overcome the Yetzirah um, when they emerge from the Teva. And the raven represents that. So the raven, it's true, the raven does represent that element of Satan, of evil, of rebellion against God. you know. But at the same time, Hashem was saying to Noach, look, the way you're approaching the, the world before the Teva and, and during the Teva, you haven't yet fully learned what, uh, what you're supposed to learn. And that is that there, you need to search out the good, even in the people that are misbehaving. And you need the orave. You need this raven. And so take the raven back. Not everybody can be a dove. Not everybody can be a dove. You need to be able to see that the world is not black and white. It, it may, it, some people, yes, you know, maybe even some cultures, yes, but in general, the world is very complex, and for, for, for the world to, to be brought closer uh, and repaired, you need somebody to be able to see this complexity, and Noach isn't the one who's really able to, to see it, unfortunately, and therefore, Akush Baruch has to, to tell him that despite the fact that the raven 
represents all of this. Yes, the raven violated my, my dictate not to be intimate on the Teva. And the, ra the raven represents, therefore, the Satan and the rebelliousness against, against me. But there, there's some purpose here for this, for this raven. And even if you can't see it now, it'll take you know, centuries to come where eventually the raven will actually find purpose in helping to perpetuate something in the world. And in the case of the, you know, in the eyes of the Midrash, it's got to wait, you know, 1,500 years more. It's got to, from Noach's time until Eliyahu is, you know, a couple of thousand years until eventually um, the raven, so to speak, does something that is, uh, that is good. And as a result of this, the raven represents uh, this complex nature uh, where, you know, the beautiful and the ugly, you know, the beauty and the beast are all, all in, one, in one package over here and it represents most of the world. And quite possibly the, the name given to the raven represents this. When you talk about a mixture, you know, in, in, in the world of halakha, you mix milk and meat. So you've got a tire of it where the, the root of the word tarovet, you know, is ayin reish bet. Um, even even the even the the etymology behind the word erev, which is evening, it it, it represents the inability to distinguish between one thing and another because there's no light. So tarovet is also the inability to distinguish between things that have now been mixed in with each other, and so you know this this orev. This raven is exactly that. The raven represents um, a, a major chunk of of the world in in which we in which we exist, and not everybody can be this can be this this dove. And so, what's interesting is that Noah has to try and you know learn this particular lesson. And if Noah is not going to do it, then um, someone else is going to have to, which ends up being you know, Avram, Avram Avinu. And so when Avram Avinu comes onto the scene, Avram Avinu enters into a kind of a clash with that part of the Orev, the evil of the Orev. And so just to try and trace it for a second, just have a look at how um, we, uh, we sort of chase the, the, lineage, the lineage, the ancestry of uh, of the of the represent representative of the orev. So again, the orev represents rebellion against God or or the evil component, this the satanic component. In um, in the world of humanity, it's represented by at this point in time by Ham. Ham is the one who did exactly what the raven did, and therefore you know moved over to the dark side. Now, when we look at the way Ham and his family develop, what we find is as follows. And that is that Ham has a number of children, and um, his, uh, his, his, one of his children is, is Cush. You know, Cush, again, also meaning black. So Cush gives birth to Nimrod. We know Nimrod as the infamous Nimrod. And Nimrod is the Gibor Baaretz. He is the so called dictator of the time. And um, Nimrod. Is the one who clashes with Avram Avinu, so you have sort of the this clash between the the dove and the orev, between you know those who are fighting for good and those who are looking for the dark side. They're always going to clash. So Avram Avinu representing the dove is clashing with Nimrod, 
who is a descendant of of Cush and of and of of Ham. But what's even more interesting is that when one looks at the way the Torah relates to us, the descendants of Nimrod, we go further. Nimrod, we told, um, creates this di- dictatorship, and uh, you know he's the one who rules over all these places. Bavel, Bavel is another word which talks about mixtures. Bavel, Erech, Akkad, Kalnei, Shinar. These are all the names of the of the cultures and societies over which Nimrod uh, rules over. And from these children who represent these cultures, you know, there's a further, and the next generation, and the next generation is Ashur, which is Assyria. And then the capital of Ashur is Ninveh and, and uh, Rehovot Ir and Kalach, you know, uh, after Ninveh comes Resen, you know, these, it's all written in the, you know, in the, in the Torah over here, describing who comes from whom, but specifically this particular dynasty from Ham all the way down. So look what happens over here. It's interesting that out of Nimrod comes Ninveh. And um, so Ninveh is really the city, the capital city of, um, of the descendants of that line. So Ham, Kush, Nimrod, Ninveh. That's exactly who is represented by the city of of Ninveh. What's ironic is is that you well know the story of Yonah, who's told by Koshbaruchu to go to the city of Ninveh and get them to do tshuva. It's as if Koshbaruchu is trying to communicate this to Noach from the word go that the Noach type people, the tzaddikim, it's not good enough for them to isolate themselves. Um, and become hermits. And in the end of the day, you know, you have to do outreach. You have to go and help. And if you can help, then you've got an obligation to do so. So you're supposed to, Noah, you're supposed to be like this, this dove, yes, but the dove has got to go and find a way of dealing with the, the raven. Yona has got to go and deal with Ninveh. Of course, Yona battles, Yona's like Noah. Yona battles with this, um, you know, with the fact that he's wholly righteous and he can't deal with a, you know, a city like Nineveh. And so Yonah, the prophet Yonah, has to, has to learn the same lesson that is, that is Zayden Noach, you know, had to learn on the Teva. You know, he had to, he had to learn it as well. So when, uh, you know, when, one sees this uh, kind of parallel um, coming out from the, from the story, um, trying to demonstrate that what we learn from this uh, dialogue or clash between Noach and the raven is a complex one. It's not just that the raven, it's not the raven's good and right and Noach is wrong, completely wrong. It's the raven is 90% wrong. But the way Kosh Baruch has created the world, there's a place for it. There's a purpose. A, we, we can't appreciate it. And it's very hard for us to appreciate you know why they are components of evil. Yeah. Anyway. What is doing? So um yeah, so this is so this is the this is really the, the Musa Haskell. This is the kind of uh, uh, this is what we have to learn from this this uh, you know this this um, this interaction between Noah and uh, and the raven. And then it plays itself out all the way through 
through Jewish history where the purpose of the raven is camouflaged until Eliyahu's time. And probably from that time on, it's camouflaged too. But it shows us that there's some sort of, Akush Baruch has a purpose here in creating the dark side um, in the dark side as well. And so this is really one of the major lessons to be learned out of the personality of Noach and out of the raven and what it represents. And going forward, the tafkid of the Yonah is to somehow take Yonah ship and look, dig, dig deep to try and find the Yonah that's somehow camouflaged within the orave, within the, within the raven. And if one can do that, then the ability to bring humanity closer to ethical monotheism will hopefully be blessed with uh, the Siadishmaya that Noah and his uh, post-Diluvian generation was blessed with the survival of, uh, of humanity. Okay, so I, uh, I leave it here for this evening and uh, wish you all a great Shabbos. And uh, hopefully um, from, uh, from Monday, we start seeing everybody in shul. So yeah, wish you, wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Take care, everybody. Thank you very much. Yes, be well. Eh? Call to Shabbos, good Shabbos. Shabbos.